0: Thank you for joining today's Make It Big podcast episode. I'm Leah Spector, Senior Brand Manager at Big Commerce, and I'm so excited to welcome our guests, Ramunda and Derek Young, co-founders, co-CEOs, and also husband and wife at Mahogany Books. Derek and Ramunda, thank you so much for being here.
1: No problem. Thank you for having yeah. us.
0: To kick us off, uh, can you please tell us a little bit about Mahogany Books in your own words? What inspired you to, to start this business?
1: Absolutely. We come to the table. It's so funny when we talk about why and how we started Mahogany Books. We come to the table from two different vantage points, two different experiences, but it's beautiful to see how they marry together. But for me, I was born, uh, raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right near Black Wall Street. And when my husband and I were tossing around business ideas, having black um, access to Black books was not really part of my experience. Even though I was a huge reader, people in my hometown did not have their local Black bookstore to go to. And so when we talked about business ideas, going online, in my mind, allowed people, whether they were from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Ohio, New Hampshire, wherever they lived, now they could have access to black books. And that was something that was really striking to me, something that was really important to me because I didn't have that experience growing up until I went to college at Langston University. That's when I was really exposed to black literature. So tossing around business ideas about how do we make black books accessible online allowed us to do that. Uh, man, probably over 15 years ago allowed us to do that. But it was so important for our community to have access to those books. And that was one of the main impetus for me, um, in my experience, to say, hey, let's let's look at a bookstore. But this was my husband's brainchild. It's been a dream of, her, of his for all of his life. And I'll let him kind of share why it was important for him to um, move forward with the bookstore as well.
2: Yeah, so um, I'm from the D.C. area, and for us, it's always been a part of uh, just everyday life, having access to small independent bookstores. And a part of that uh, was having Black booksellers uh, inside the uh, city as well as around uh, the surrounding areas where I grew up um, in PG County. So uh, having experienced it and seeing what a bookstore meant in terms of driving community, or fostering community, um, providing access to information, and just being a tool to motivate uh, people to help them accomplish their goals and dreams. It was something that became a trans- transformational um, moment for me working at a bookstore, reading books, and uh, as a business student at Bowie State, it became uh, my passion to, to give back that same thing that was given to me, uh, to create community and to uh, make accessible and available books that could inspire and uh, help people transform uh, themselves into you know, the person that they want to be uh, in life. So that's what really drove me, uh, my passion for books, uh, for business, and, and particularly for, uh, to open a black bookstore.
0: Amazing, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think, Derek, I read you had like 15 years of experience prior to the bookstore in digital marketing. You worked at a bookstore, and Ramonda, you actually, I think you did too, in, in operations. Um, that's so cool that these interests happened and experiences happen to come together for you all to to make this dream a reality and, and you are a proud, you know, family-owned business, uh, husband and wife, what is it like running a business with your spouse and and how do y'all kind of divvy up the, the roles and responsibilities of the
1: business? That's a whole other podcast, I feel. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, no, no. You know, we've been married, it'll be 21 years married this year and about 16 years in business. Um, But what I do know is my husband and I have very similar values, community, culture, um, and knowledge of self and our history are some cornerstones when we talk about business that were important to us. And so having those foundational pieces there, to me, really allows us to kind of overcome a lot of different hurdles. If we stay focused on those pieces, our shared values there, um, it makes it a lot easier. But that's not to say that we don't have any, you know, midnight Conversation strategy sessions about the bookstore. I mean, we were up to around 2 a.m. this morning with tossing around different ideas about where we want to take the bookstore next or certain scenarios that we were having issues with that we wanted to iron out. So, you know, when a regular business partner, you don't have the 2 a.m. strategy sessions, um, but when you're married and you're working in business with your partner, you do. Um, But for me, I've really enjoyed it. I love kind of being in the trenches with someone who I'm sharing my life with, who also has similar values and ideas that I have. Um, But in the beginning, we had challenges, even when it came down to scheduling, right? So we have a little one. We have Mahogany at that point, was two years old. And I remember specifically, I'm booking things on the calendar, and my husband was booking things on the calendar, and we were double booking. And so we really had to look at our communication and what kind of tools could we use to kind of alleviate that because now we're making our brand look bad because people are expecting us at one place and we're not at that place because we had signed up for another place. So we really kind of had to put in tools Um, to really help us with something just as basic as communication and scheduling that now, I think we have about six or seven different calendars now, one for the bookstore, one for us, one for our family with our little one on it, and then even our personal calendars. My husband doesn't need to know when I'm going to get my nails done on, you know, on the main calendar, but it's on my personal calendar. But again, those things have to evolve, um, but derived from us working together and really trying to find the best tools that work for our household. Um, when it came to communication, but even chores, even things about getting the house together. We had to talk about those things. We have very different pieces of the business. I do a lot of our marketing, our PR, our um, um, schools, our corporate events, um, corporate sales and things of that nature. Um, and so very separate sides where Derek does a lot of the operational behind the scenes, our tech, our web, and even more you know, there. But we had to kind of differentiate where we are and then in the middle of that are this pieces that we're very passionate about, both of us. And so we have to kind of talk about, you know, those together. But those are kind of some of the ways that we found really worked. Identifying what we're strong at, what we're passionate about, and then also really honing in our communication and, and planning tools as well.
0: I think that's so beautiful when you can find a partner where your, your, your passions and your expertise overlap, because then you can have that really successful business partnership too. And yeah, you're not kind of restricted by the... Normal timelines, like you're not going to call your business partner up at 3 a.m., but you can kind of like, hey, uh, what do you think about this? Um, so I think that's great. Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of the first, you know, iteration of Mahogany Books. You launched in 2007 as an online store and remained online only for 10 years. You know, 2007, I'd say you were well ahead of the curve, starting out as you know, essentially a, a direct to consumer brand before that was a buzzword. Before a lot of businesses were really taking e-commerce seriously, especially, you know, small, mid-sized businesses. How did you come to that decision to launch online only? And, and what did you learn in those early years of e-commerce?
2: Well, um, there was several decisions that went into that. Several of us went to that one decision. Um, a lot of it was, you know, based on uh, capital and access. Um, we knew uh, we didn't have necessarily the capital uh, available right then to start a brick-and-mortar store, um, but we knew we wanted to get started. And uh, online was a, a way that we could uh, get started without having to worry about the barriers of, you know, lease, uh, physical inventory, and all these other things. So um, we figured that uh, we could always uh, look for the uh, path of lease, of, of lease resistance, While also uh, building a brand, um, uh, identifying what the needs and wants of our customers were and fulfilling uh, uh, a huge gap in the market that wasn't being taken care of, uh, at least in the D.C. area, uh, when it came to author events and things like that. So it really came down to just doing a a bare bones analysis of what uh, was needed, um, of what we was trying to get accomplished and figure out a path forward to get to the ultimate goal, which was to have a uh, brick and mortar uh, bookstore. Um, I'll, I'll also say that uh, the the online piece was, a lot of it was driven by uh, what Ramona mentioned earlier in the conversation about um, making sure that the goal for us was always to make books available and accessible. And those are two keywords that we use internally because uh, it means a lot um, that our books aren't readily available in general bookstores. Usually in a in a small business, small bookstore or a franchise or a large chain bookstore, less than two percent of their inventory are books that are written for by or about people of the African diaspora. So we knew that uh, online. Um, we could make those books, those authors available to people who weren't seeing them um, in their everyday shopping when they went to the bookstore. So the goal for us was, and at that time, the, you know, the key word was a disruptor. How do we disrupt uh, the industry, which was uh, bookstores, and especially as an as a independent bookstore, how do we create, carve out a niche, and set ourselves apart different from everything else that was out there um in our own way, so that was part of the uh the thought process uh, at that time when we decided you know to launch a physical bookstore. It was about, hey, we wanted to get started. it was uh, a lot less expensive for us to build an online bookstore than it was to open up a store um but then also, there were huge gaps uh in the industry at the time where you know our customers weren't having their needs fulfilled so <clears throat> it was just, it just made sense uh, to to do that. And because we went online, we could really differentiate ourselves from all the other competitors out there because no one was taking a moment, taking out the uh, time or being intentional about really trying to solve the problem uh, that, you know, Black readers were having, which was access to books.
1: Yeah, and I, and I would just add, too, another thing that, that really spoke to me during our conversations was, I didn't want to leave our history in the hands of somebody else who may not have thought of it being important, right? I worked at the big box retailer. I worked at an independent, another independent bookstore. I've worked in books for maybe 15, 20 years now. And Derek is right. When we looked on the shelves, he looked on the shelves specifically, but um, I didn't want to leave that in the hands of somebody else. Neither one of us did. What if they didn't think, I say they, you know, the, the broader retail um, community, what if they didn't think, that Malcolm X book was of, of importance and they took that off the shelves? Or what if they didn't think Asada's book was of importance and they took that off the shelf? But that is my history, that's Black history, that's American history. So I didn't want, we didn't want to leave that into the hands of somebody else to decide what was relevant, what was important. And so creating Mahogany Books allowed us to make those books successful rather, um, regardless if anybody else made them relevant, made them important. And we're kind of seeing that evolution even now in today's world, where certain States and certain institutions are pulling books off that are my history, that are American history. And yet, if we leave that up to chance, we won't have our history on those shelves. So this was more than just, oh, let's make an online bookstore. Like Derek said, it was something that really um, was important to us to make our stories um, be here for my daughter, our teenager, other people's kids for decades and centuries to come. And we didn't want to leave that up to somebody else to decide. So that's one of the other reasons why we created Mahogany Books.
0: Absolutely. And there's so many things that you speak to that I think aspiring entrepreneurs or existing business owners can learn from is like all of this adds up to true authenticity. Like we talk about authenticity a lot in the last few years, but this is an area where you all are extremely passionate and, you know, have really like dedicated your lives to it, your experts in it, but also you've identified a really specific product, market, fit, and need. And I think that's really powerful. Um, so okay, you're, you know, e-commerce is, is going well, you know, 10 years. And by the way, you're you're collecting data and learning all of this information about your customers along the way. So 10 years later, in 2017, you opened your first physical shop in DC. Uh, Derek, I read in an article that you, you know, had walked into a, a big box bookstore with, with mahogany your daughter, and, and walked out knowing you wanted your store to be different. Why did you open a physical store, you know, kind of 10 years into the business? And in what ways did you want to make your bookstore different?
2: Well, you know, w- one of the key learnings that we got out of that 10 years of being an online only bookstore was, you know, readers are like, we're an interesting breed. Um, <laughs> we, we, we enjoyed an old school Um, process of actually shopping and browsing for books. Usually a reader doesn't walk into a store necessarily knowing what they want to buy. They want to spend their time uh, perusing the shelves, talking to other customers, talking to booksellers to find out what's the next book they want to invest maybe a month of their life into, uh, you know, uh, reading. Uh, And that process isn't very, it's not, you can't always translate that shopping process online. So I knew that a physical store was something that still had to be uh, in the future for Mahogany Books. And that that story you talk about was, that you know, this reference was me taking our uh, kid into a bookstore for Black History Month. And again, the only books that their buyers decided were relevant during the month of Black History Month were books about slavery. and. For me, like, that's not the extent of, of my heritage. It's not the extent of my history. So to have someone determine this is what's necessary to read during Black History Month, it just infuriated me. And it, it just reaffirmed the need that we had to have a physical store. Um, so that process of making sure that customers could really engage in that experience of doing what they love, of just spending time in a bookstore Uh, engaging in community and finding uh, a book that uh, either makes them laugh, helps them deal with grief, uh, inspires them uh, in their career path, whatever it is, people need to spend time um, in a bookstore to do that. And for all that the website allowed us to do in terms of being able to reach people in Tulsa or West Virginia selling books, there was still something that was missing um, when it came to the experience of being a, uh, a book reader that need to walk into a location and give that hands-on experience um, and just be confronted with uh, the culture and all that's available. I mean, it's very hard to, when you walk into a store and you realize the number of books that are being published every year um, that are talking about, that's referencing you and your history, um, like you, you need to be there uh, to, to really experience that. So that's what really kind of, um, cemented the fact that we we had to have a space. And and I'll also add um to have a space where we could host authors to come out. Um, that's another part of uh the book reading community is being able to engage with 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 authors, talk to them about their work, ask questions, be inspired, um show kids, you know, hey, you can be an author too and see this is actually a career path for you if you enjoy uh storytelling. So all those things were were elements that um, we could not necessarily duplicate online, um, and it just really, uh, for us, cemented the, the need to have to have a physical store to really uh, give customers uh, a more engaging experience when it comes to
1: book shopping. Yeah, and I love, too, we get comments often about our space. When we talk about a physical store, people come in, they can. I love that we see our, the Black community reflected in within all four walls of our space. We have Black um, authors lining the walls. We have amazing music that really speaks to Derek and I and our culture playing through the sound through the, the airwaves sometimes we have amazing scents that really evoke these senses of home at least that's what our customers say it reminds me of home and so to walk in a space and really be reflected your culture your community your hairs be reflected that was important to us I don't see myself when I walk into another big box store and I say on the walls or on the muse in the music I don't see myself and why not make our customers have that type of experience and so if a physical space like Derek was just saying allowed us to do all those different things that some stores may take for granted or may not even see the importance of that we see the importance of and it's really being um, it's confirmed often because we get comments about it all the time that man, it feels so good in this space or I love the music or we see our customers over there jamming as they're shopping for books. That's really letting us know that we created a space where they were seen and that's important to us.
0: Again, you are kind of ahead of the curve because, you know, five, six years ago, it was all digital first, like everything focused on e-commerce and you know because it was fairly new technology still but in 2017 you were already so acutely aware of the importance of i mean what we're saying is really omni channel but it's giving you know existing customers a way to come in and forge an even deeper connection with you than you know if they could only shop online and and that brings us to the topic of community and culture you know obviously that's a big component of what drives you and your mission what are some of the ways you know author readings um events you have incredible events and some incredible speakers what are some of those ways you work with community and and as a follow-up you know how do community and commerce intersect in a way that makes a business more than just about turning a profit
2: um you know for us i mean that's ramonda was 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 touching on it in terms of partnership right um uh, for us To me, again, it's nothing, uh, you know, when you're in a marriage, that's a partnership. Um, Where you're running a business with someone, that's a partnership. There's like a relationship there that um, you have to acknowledge and um, support and um, feed to make sure it's successful. And one of the things that um, our relationship is both a married couple as well as business partners that is foundational to us is family and community. And part of that means uh, to make sure that um, uh, people are seen, people are valued, that um, what we're doing is not just to uh, enrich in our pockets. I mean, as a bookseller, most people will tell you, you don't sell books <laughs> to get rich. Like, that's not <laughs> what we do it for. We do it because there's a passion um, that we have for the literature, <clears throat> and there's uh, something about it that uh, implores us to, uh, share it with others. Um, so for us, the community aspect of that, the cultural aspect of that is, uh, feeding back into our community, our people who are sorely looking for access to this type of experience. The, the, the thing is, is that, you know, the retail overall, you know, there's a misnomer out there that this isn't something that we're looking for, but it is. When I talk to all my friends, They're looking for these kinds of environments. They're looking to, when they walk into a space, to feel seen, to feel connected, to know that they're not the only one out there, Um, especially if you're in a state or in a place where uh, you are a demographic minority. To be able to go into a place and feel like um, you are appreciated is something that everyone wants to experience, not just black folk, everybody, wherever you come from, whatever your ethnicity is. So it's just, to me, it just made sense that whatever we do we need to infuse it with culture and community because that's what that's where the value lies you can buy a book from anywhere we're not out here competing on price we don't have the ability to we're a small business what we can offer is a value that um brings people back to the store and that's driven by like you said the authenticity the love for the books the love for the people the love for the community the space that gives feeds into people not just extracts a dollar. Uh we're not here to do that. We're here to to build and to uh, leave a legacy so that 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now people will say man I um met so and so there, right? I met my my future wife, right? I went on dates with my with my husband here, right? I saw this author here, I read this book that changed my life. Those are the things that means success to us, not what the profit margin is. That helps, you know, we can pay for college tuition and all that other good stuff, but what it really means is that people are, are growing, they're benefiting from an experience that we're giving them. And that's where, because we're seeing them, that's where the culture comes in. And because we're focusing on the people, um, on their benefit, it, it, it like, I, I can't see running a business any other way without focusing on those two things.
1: Yeah. And I think too, our internal community, and I say internal, when I think of all the vendors that we work with. So when we talk about entrepreneurship and what that means, when somebody slides their money across the counter to us, they are impacting 9, 10, 12 other black businesses. That's important to community to us. So all the vendors, we've been very intentional with how we source products, whether it's our t-shirts or lapel pens or, or what bottles and cups, we've been very intentional. So when that $20 goes across, cross it's impacting 10 12 other businesses and that's on purpose so it's not just our customer community but it's also our vendor and our internal community that's behind the scenes and it's just a gift to be in a position to have a store to have a a, a business that that impacts people beyond ourselves. So that that means something to us. That means something cr- crucial to even our, our business makeup, that it's not just about Mahogany Books winning. It's about how do all these other Black businesses win, who have ideas, who have dreams, who have goals as well? How can we be a conduit to make that happen? And that that's just fulfilling to me on a whole different level, that when we eat, others eat as well.
0: I mean, as a consumer, that's incredibly inspiring and makes me want to support brands like that who, have a community and care about, you know, people and not just driving the profits. And and as a you know, kind of a cherry on top, I think you mentioned earlier when we talked last week, Mahogany, your teenager actually has gotten the entrepreneurial bug and they were actually in charge of kind of sourcing some of the merch and, and working with uh, some of the swag items. What is that like uh, working with your kid on, on the side of the business?
2: I'll say this, you got to be on time with paying them invoices because yeah. uh, when they come to collect, they come to collect for real, uh, but
0: <laughs> Gen Z is on it.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. No, it's it's fantastic. Um, again, it's about growth. It's about giving um, people opportunities to fulfill uh, to, to fulfill their passion, to live up to their to to, in, to live their passion, and to become the best person that they want to be for themselves. Um, and that's one of the lessons. Whether it's uh, accountability. Right. Running a business to, to teach accountability, running a business to learn math and arithmetic, all those things we did early on in their formative years. Um, it's fantastic to, to see the uh, the evolution that they've made, um, the critical thinking that goes into, um, you know, that they apply from running their small business to living their life. It It is fantastic to see them be committed to set a goal, um, deal for setback to overcome it and to be resilient enough to keep moving forward to make that happen. And those are all things that, um, that I believe entrepreneurship teaches. Um, so for us, it was, it just, it was just like a natural part of our parenting style to, you know, uh, bring them into, uh, this, uh, you know, our family business and again, to make it a family business and to allow them to find their best self, um, through their creative expression. However it was, if it's, Picking, uh, you know, uh, sideline items for the store, or helping us um, to be more um, uh, environmentally friendly and how we source uh, products and how what the things we use in the store. Those are all things that um, that they've contributed, and I I love seeing it because you just see an evolution of a person, of a whole person um, growing.
0: You know, and parents are proud, you know, of their kids when they find something they're excited and, and good at like that. But the fact that that's something that you all get to do together is is really sweet and such a bonus because I know parents are like, my teenager wants nothing to do with me. So so that's really nice to hear. Um, OK, so everything's going great. You're balancing you know your online sales with building this in person community and cultivating this this beautiful space. Everything's going great. And the pandemic hits. Um, I imagine you know your history as an online only store helped take some of that pressure off, um, and I know you did some great things like like bundles and uh, you know moved every a lot of the virtual events online so people could join. Um, what was that time period like for y'all?
1: Wow, so many emotions. Yeah. So when we, the pandemic hit, we had this, I just remember specifically, I, like I said, I was coordinating a lot of those events. And so we had this very high profile comedian who was, going, you know, signed up. We're going to have this big packed out place for his event. And then a day before, you know, DC went on lockdown. No, you know, um, events were canceled and things of that nature. So we had people would bought tickets. We had books that were coming and then everything had to shut down. So for me, at that point, a lot of our sales were coming from our, um, In store events, we had packed houses where people were just excited to be part of those conversations around authors, around their books. And so, when that that call came to shut down DC, I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, how are we going to eat?" That's just what I thought immediately because a big chunk of our sales were coming from those events. Um, and on top of that, to know that the call was to shut down retail establishments, just for safety and caution. Mm-hmm. Um, businesses were asked to, you know, you know, let's shut down for, for caution. And so I'm thinking, we don't have our, in, our in-store our in shopping at that point, the doors are closed. And we don't have our in-store events, our events that we hosted throughout the city. So both of those were tr- um, just um, grand income drivers for us and now they were gone. So I was just like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to eat? Um, And so that was, you know, a lot of emotions, to process that how do we get creative? What can we do to generate income when those two big drivers were now gone? And so, as you mentioned, being online for at that point, many over a decade, our online systems were rocking and rolling. People could still order books and we'd ship all over the United States. So that platform and ability was there. But how do we now turn people's attention to our website out of the other thousands of thousands, millions of websites there. How do they know to come to Mahogany Books? And so the book bundles was one of those ways that um, when Derek and I were talking about it, he was like, why don't we, you know, look at book bundles? Because kids were now at home. Schools were closed, um, and so now we have this captive audience that's at home that, what are we doing? What are parents doing with their kids? What are kids doing? And so books was a way for us to really hone in and say, hey, look at us. We have book bundles for elementary school kids, for middle school, for high school kids. And that took some of the angst off of a parent trying to decide what am I going to do with my kids when I can click this button and have a whole bundle of books delivered to my doorstep. So that was an emotion when you talk about how are we feeling, was one of, okay, I think we may be able to put a handle on this thing, at least generate some income when these other two drivers were not there. So that was one thing. And then fast forward to May, when, of course, in the middle of the pandemic where people are not coming into our store, we have the whole piece with the George Floyd murder. And so at that time, people were getting glued to their screens, were at home, were in the middle of a pandemic. And there was this social upheaval, to be honest, social unrest, social justice, peace that was out in the streets of D.C., out in the streets in a lot of different states across the world that we were outraged at George Floyd's murder. And at that point, what we saw were a lot of people questioning, I say white people primarily, questioning what does racism mean to me? What am I watching on the screen? How am I complicit in what I'm seeing? Even though I'm not there, how do my biases, how does my mindset really play into this? And how can I make it better? That's the emails that we were getting. How do I, now that I'm seeing this in real time, I'm not distracted by going out to the movies. I'm not distracted by doing things with my kids. I'm, I'm seeing this in real time on my screen, but what am I doing? How can I look internal and make a change. What can I do? I mean, we were getting emails about, I'm a, you know, 80-year-old woman or a 60-year-old man who has these biases or these hangups or these prejudices. What book should I read? And so at that time, our website went crazy. So again, I was nervous at the beginning. Oh my gosh, how are we going to generate sales? Where are these people going to come from? To all, to the other end of the spectrum, where now people were clamoring not just to buy books from other stores or any source, but there was a big call to action So if you're saying you're seeing these things happen on screen, if you're feeling some type of way about racism and things, how do you take that angst and those feelings and channel it to support a Black business? Not just any business. There's over 3,000 or so bookstores people could have shopped with, but there was a call to say, put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, and support these businesses who have been in the trenches for decades, supporting these causes that now are, you know, a eureka moment that are now on your radar. So it wasn't just go buy a book, but it was buy a book from Black bookstores. And that was something, if your bookstore was in a position online already because of the pandemic or otherwise, that could fulfill those orders, now you are in a position to really be able to serve customers all over the United States. And for us, that May to October, again, our store was closed, May to October of 2020, 100,000 books went through our website. And BigCommerce was a big piece of making that happen, that people could go online to our website, get that book, and have it shipped. So for us, it was like something we'd never seen i call it our unicorn year because we i don't know if we'll ever see a year like that again and we had not seen a year like that before but we were able to you know maneuver a lot of those things but when you talk about the feelings another part of my feelings was one of frustration one of hurt one of i couldn't sleep because even though our website was working there was such a demand on books that there was not enough paper there were not enough there were books that people were coming on our site that had not been printed in decades but now was at the forefront when it talked about racism, when it talked about characters or people or stories that a lot of people had not even paid attention to, I believe during that time, um, um, even Octavia Butler had made the New York Times list. And Octavia's been around many, many years, decades. She's since passed, but now to have her book lifted to the forefront because people were coming to our site was um, immeasurable. But then there's books are not available. They hadn't been printed, so there was time to get those books printed. But in that, people were emailing us saying, where is my book? Why don't you have this book now? And are you a scam? You should have had this book. I mean, it was just, so we're like, wait a minute. We can't control that the book is not printed. We didn't know, you know, so it was just a myriad of motions of frustration, of sadness, of excitement, of anger. We were getting hate emails at that time about why is this book, you know, why haven't you given this book to me? It's been two weeks. Well, the postal, you know, there's a lot of things in disarray at that time, but, uh, a myriad of emotions that we were experienced during that pandemic. And I think I have a little PTSD from some of it, even now when a book isn't available for whatever reason, that we want to make sure that our customers get it. But it was, it was crazy. Crazy.
0: No kidding. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine how it's kind of, you know, it's great for the business, stressful, bittersweet as you know, this is, you know, your lives. And and you mentioned that was your unicorn year. And, and that kind of makes me sad because I, I want to see that sustained support of black owned businesses and of literature, um, and kind of segueing into the power of literature, right? Last month was a uh, black history month and the theme was black resistance and, you know, literature, education, reading, you know, certainly catalyst for resistance. How, do, how does that connect to your mission?
2: I mean, <clears throat> I think, how do I say this, Uh, it's it's an an everyday um, experience for for Black folk. Um, I think, uh, and it's it's a process that um, you either accept or you decide to do something about. Um, And for us, uh, you know, we're no one's victims. Uh, we have uh, goals, we have passions, we have dreams, um, and we are fully capable um, to enact on those things. And that's the experience for most Black folk. Um, the only question is are we uh, identifying the resources and pulling together to uh, make those things happen? So when we talk about uh, resistance, I mean, that's just, that's. I, I, you know that's no different than um, than anyone's experience. I think you you are um, faced with uh, trials and tribulations in life, and the question is, how resilient are you going to be to overcome those things? So, for us, books has been uh, from at least for me, I'll say, I I, I think um, Ramonda as well a major uh, component in how we. Uh, show up and be resilient and fight and push forward um, when things don't necessarily go our way for whatever the reason is. Um, And again, it's having access to that information that um, has been transformative for me personally that I want to make sure that is uh, available to everyone. So whether it's February or October, um, what we're talking about is Resistance and resilience. Um, how do we um, position ourselves to overcome whatever obstacle is placed in front of us, and again show up as our best self and accomplish our goals, our dreams, our passions, and leave a legacy? I mean that this is an it's an everyday existence. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure how I would exist without that being um, a main uh, value, core principle of just how. I live my
0: life. Yeah, and, and Ramonda, you mentioned too, like you being in charge of, of that story. So not just access, but like ownership of your business and being able to control um, is also really powerful. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but it is Women's History Month, of course. And I, I was curious, you know, Ramonda, has your experience being an entrepreneur and a leader, do you think that's different uh, at all from maybe what Derek's experienced? Um, I, think, woman.
1: Mm-hmm, I think to be honest, I think women have two strikes, right? First as black women, first we're black and there's a whole different level of hurdles that we have to just deal with as black people, whether it's financing, whether it's skepticism of, you know, going online to this website, do I trust you? All those different things, just black business we deal with, but then throw on top of that as a woman and how women fall in this hierarchy in our society, I feel like we have two strikes. And so yes, when I walk into a room as a, a, a black person, there's one thing, but then to be a woman at the table, it's still that feeling like, do you belong here? should you be at this table? And do you, is your voice even valid? Is it even worth it? So I have had those experiences where I had to kind of come in a room and say, oh, oh, I deserve to be here and I'm knowledgeable and I'm qualified and I'm deserving. So yes, so not even it's a, you know, Ramona and a Derek thing. I think it's just a black woman and a black man thing. Both of us are at this level, level when it comes to the table. And then, like I said, as a black woman, um, society just views women as a whole at another level. Another level That is reflective in our um, unequal pay, just women to men, that alone Black women to men and so to white men. So yes, there is a hierarchy that we still have to go over, hurdles we have to deal with to make our voices even heard, to not just be a pretty face, to not just be, oh, she's cute, she should be at the table, but oh, she's qualified, oh, she's a powerhouse, oh, she's a boss, oh, she is knowledgeable. Those are the characteristics that I'm hoping people, men see at the table um, when they see me, when they see a black woman at the table. So yeah, those are hurdles that we'll continue to have to overcome um, even, until our pay even shows up at the table at the same same level. Then there's still tremendous work to be done to even to make that change. So yeah, there are, those are definitely hurdles that men don't have to experience and then black men don't have to experience. And black men have their own hurdles to deal with. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I, I- I hope and I'm optimistic that more businesses like yours will continue to shift the narrative and, and be proof for and inspire other, you know, young women and young black people. Um, what's what's next for Mahogany Books? A lot. A lot. <laughs> A
2: lot. <laughs> some, some we can't share, but there are uh, some very imminent uh, things that we are working on um, again the uh the the overarching vision is um how do we impact people how do we empower people um how do we put them in help put them in a position where they can accomplish their goals uh and we want to use literature as the core component of that so there are things that we're looking at um to uh make uh to enhance Um, the skill set of writers, how do we uh, work with writers there on their craft, Um, how do we work to use Mahogany Books as a platform to showcase our writers who aren't signed to publishing companies, who are creatives that are uh, self-publishing their own work, how do we use our platform there? Um, There's uh, a lot that we want to be able to do uh, to showcase the talent, the information, the um, the skill set uh and the importance of uh of black writers uh across the diaspora. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. There's Derek nailed it. There's so many pieces. Nailed it without nailing it. Like we're trying to <laughs> talk. But um our imaginations just run wild with we have, you know, notes and pages of things that we want to accomplish in our business. And I see it as books as this the there's a wheel and books is in the middle. But then there's all these folks that could come from literature and our voices being heard, different platforms, different ways, different different ways to connect with the community and other businesses at large. But it all stems from literature and our history and our books. And so we're excited to, you know, tackle some of those new frontiers and to make even better some of those spaces that are out there that we feel like we want to put our own spin on it. So I'm excited about what's to come. I'm excited about Black books. I'm excited about our history being more at the forefront as American history, not just for Black folk to read, but for everybody to read. So that's something that just continues to drive us, to propel us to work in excellence and to date, keep daydreaming. And daydreaming on dates, can we talk about having a date with my husband and not talking about books? I'm trying to work on that both of us. He's he's giving me that look that's usually me on those dates, but making that time to dream <laughs> and not on that then that sacred time for he and I time, but we'll see. I'm working on it.
0: <laughs> I am so proud and honored, you know, on behalf of Big Commerce too. Power Y'all's website and, you know, just a a call to action out there to other white people out there like me who maybe, you know, picked up White Fragility or, you know, some other anti-racist specific book. Visit mahoganybooks.com and pick up a great fiction book or a novel by a Black author and expand some of those horizons or find some niche topic that is not just solely about, you know, a plight, but is truly about like culture and and connection and art because, you know, art makes the world beautiful. Um, to close us out, is there any you know, final word of wisdom or advice you'd want to share for other entrepreneurs out there?
2: Um, I, I would say, and I've kind of touched on it uh, in some of my earlier statements, um, it comes back to resilience. Um, you know, there's it, your, your goals, your dreams, your passions, they are all there for the taking. The question is, how resilient are you going to be in the pursuit of it? Um, there's no reason you can't accomplish it. I mean, and the DNA of our company is just to grind. You know, we started with no investment. We opened up a store with no investment. We've been able to build uh, what we've been able to build because we believed in our dreams, um, we believed in ourselves, and we would not stop. Um, so, you know, for anyone accomplishing, trying to accomplish anything, just be resilient, and um, be uh, and go after what it is that you want to accomplish.
1: Yeah, and I would say as an entrepreneur, somebody who's looking to step out, take a leap of faith and say, hey, I have this idea, this passion that's burning within me. What do I do with it? I'm real clear about, you have to turn down, you have to really mute the naysayers. There will be naysayers who say, this won't work. There were naysayers who that people don't read books. There's eBooks out there. Why were you trying to open up a physical store? So the naysayers were out there. And I would challenge anybody to mute that voice and to turn up your own voice, turn up the gift that was given to you, turn up the idea that was planted in your spirit, turn up that voice in yourself that says, hey, go do it. And even if you fail, you've done it. Many of us have an idea and we hear other people telling us all the reasons why it won't work. And then we don't execute it. And then we leave this earth with that, that seed still planted with us and within us. And so I just urge anybody who's an entrepreneur to to really mute the naysayers and to turn up your own voice. And when you turn up your own voice, that's where the beautiful things occur. That's where the boundaries are broken. That's where the ideas are created because they were only given to you to execute on. So I will leave that to anybody and charge them to do that same thing.
0: Well, that was beautiful. Both of you, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Really appreciate your time. And for the viewers out there, visit mahoganybooks.com. They have a ton of events. They have a lot of great content. And of course, shop their books. They have all different kinds of, of book lists and some great uh, past events you can watch too. So, Derek, Ramunda, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having us. And thank you, Big Commerce. We appreciate you guys. That's yeah, for sure.